Yes, my friends, we're back. Your paladin here, Rick Wagner. I am a knight without armor in a savage land. It's very clear. I feel that vulnerability all too often. We all do, actually, I suppose. Uh, especially in today's world, we all feel that way. You know, we uh, sort of dangerous MAGA types out there that, uh, you know, luckily the FBI is keeping an eye on us. So you don't have to worry. If you slip and do something, I'm sure they'll be right there to prevent you from getting into too much trouble. So, my friends, last uh, topic we talked about in the first segment, of course, was uh, the dangerous, worrisome idea of climate change and how uh, as soon as we can all adopt human composting like California, that we can begin to turn the corner on that. Yes, that's right, because the thing that we need to worry about most in the world is, of course, gas, uh, lawnmowers, and weed eaters, and whether or not we can stop cows from passing gas to save the planet. Uh, and the rest of the things are just going swimmingly, and so we don't need to worry about them. But one thing I want to, I, I did want to jump into something, not to worry you unnecessarily, but there, there's a, a great piece out this last week, and it was in the American Mind, and it was by David Goldman, and he is an expert on China policy. And uh, the, the piece was uh, taken from a presentation he made at the, let's see, the National Conser- Conservation uh, Conference in this September, just a few days ago, actually. And he wanted to talk about China. Now, I was so taken by reading this that I made sure I put it up on the website. And you can take a look at that at the uh, the rickwagnershow.com website. But I think you should. Because it's it's chilling and informative, as those two things often go together. Uh, sometimes you get a lot of information you're not sure you wanted to know. But one of the things he talks about, the five myths, he says, that, that we have about China that probably are just going to get us into trouble. And I read through them, and I thought they were well worth talking about. And so let's touch on them for a minute. One of the things, it's, it's sort of one of the myths, but uh, this... Our naval superiority, which, of course, I think we all sense has dropped off dramatically, and it has. Our ability to project force with our Navy has been on the wane for quite some time. Uh, And if you listen to what goes on to the Congress, particularly with the uh, squad types, uh, we'd be put in a position a little like we were before World War I if they had their way. One of the things that's changing in naval warfare, and you've heard this from others, because especially in connection with the Black Sea Fleet, uh, for the Russians and all those weapons that we're giving the Ukrainians, and apparently tons of money. <laughs> we don't know where any of it's going, really. I mean, obviously they're shooting some of the weapons at uh, the Russians, but obviously it seems kind of like maybe some of them are getting sold to other places, and there's tons of money, and it just goes in there, and we don't have any idea where it went. Yeah, that's that's that sound fiscal policy. It's just crazy. I don't know what we're doing. It just makes my head hurt. But anyway, so... Uh, if you if you look at this idea about shore-to-ship missile technology, we've come a long ways. Right now in the United States, we have probably the most advanced uh, shore-to-ship technology in the Harpoon missile, which the Ukrainians keep wanting to get from us because they are the tip-top of the technological spectrum uh, for naval warfare and doing away with... Uh, really especially large ships that are not capable of maneuvering very quickly at all, like say, oh, an aircraft carrier. That might be a good example. And that they're they're changing kind of the, the way that naval warfare is, is fought, at least uh, anywhere near land. I mean, some of them can be fired from other ships and things like that, but really as land-based, uh, they're very deadly. They, they can be used to protect an area from from any naval landings. Now, that 
not only encompasses landing troops and so forth, but it's also extremely disruptive to uh, logistical supply lines, which is what they're trying to do with the uh, Russian fleet in the Black Sea, is that, you know, being supplied by naval forces. And if they're sinking those ships, that has a tendency to make the supply lines a little rickety. But that's not the only thing. It's also a fairly strong offensive weapon as well. And uh, the Chinese have about 2,000 of comparable uh, shore-to-ship missiles. And it's very troubling if you think about how we would possibly uh, launch any kind of operation to defend the, the the strait there between Taiwan and mainland China. Uh, our ships don't have a lot of room to maneuver. They would be sitting ducks for that kind of thing. And even if you're able to shoot down or outmaneuver a few of them, um, how many of the 2,000 that they have? Let's say they're able to put five or 600 in place. How many ships do you think we have? Uh, it just takes one or two of these to really devastate a naval vessel. And it's a problem, and it's one that is ignored in some war game scenarios and so forth because we keep wanting to kid ourselves to think that people like General Milley, others like them, might actually be able to win a real conflict with a well-equipped adversary. And, of course, we know that is just terribly unlikely. The leadership is so poor. The uh, quality of the new recruits seems to be dropping. The people we have in there now is great. Uh, are, are, they're, they're great individuals, and they're well-trained. But a lot of them went out. They don't feel the military is well-led. They don't feel like that it's going in a direction that uh, makes them comfortable. Many of you may recall that the Air Force Academy, always the most liberal apparently, uh, this very week suggested that the cadets stop using these antiquated terms that mean nothing. You know, mom and dad. Yeah, you know, who knows what, who knows what that means? I, it's just gibberish, isn't it? It sounds like some Kamala Harris would say, Mom, Dad, who knows what that means? Yeah, that's something that they're trying to push through. This gender identity nonsense in the military is just one strand of this terribly heavy-handed politicization of the military that's going on. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is that uh, the military has always been thought of as kind of a conservative bunch, and so sort of as the... Uh, you know, a skeptical eye that is looking at uh, progressivism. Now they understand that while they have the ability for the executive branch to order the military around, no congressional action is required. The, the president can simply order them through the Department of Defense to do certain things. You know, wear pink uniforms if they feel like it. I mean, Congress can do nothing really about that, sort of defund them. So uh, they've decided that the military makes a wonderful testing ground for all these crazy ideas. And if they can force people to do it in the military, they figure that it will spread out to the rest of the uh, rest of the country. And they could care less about combat effectiveness and lethality, which is, of course, exactly what the military is there for. Those things are so far down on the priority list now that when you look at what the Pentagon is doing, uh, it's almost not even part of it. It's like you forget that the job of the military is to uh, defend kill people and break things. No, that's not their job at all. Their job was to incorporate uh, the right pronouns to make sure that people are not, you know, obviously, who wants people in the military that, you know, are Republicans and, you know, support Donald Trump. People got to go. Uh, that's what the military is becoming. 
So because of that, the new influx of recruits is so low is that people in middle America and, uh, you know, the sort of heartland places who supply most of the military recruits are getting much more skeptical about the military. They don't think their sons and daughters are going to be well-led and that, you know, their lives are going to be protected or only used in dire circumstances or at least used wisely, right? And then they also believe that the military is a place where their children can just get in trouble because it seems like there's a hundred different ways to get in trouble. It's, It's like going to college where there's, you know, so many different ways to get caught up in pronouns and behaviors and this and that. It just doesn't seem like it's worth it. And so they're not advising their children to go to the military. And the core of the military recruitment is made up of people who are children of families with military members in them. People whose fathers or mothers or both have been in the military are much more likely to encourage their children to join the military because it's something that they believe worked well for them. Those attitudes apparently are changing because of the way the military is set. And so we are seeing a, a, a terrible disconnect out there. Uh, and so our ability to project force is low. Our ability to uh, really man uh, our weapon systems and have people that we can teach these complex weapon systems to is all degenerating. And it puts us in a very bad situation vis-a-vis China, who, you know, if we do anything with Taiwan, for instance, which apparently Joe Biden thinks we're going to be doing all the time, um, th- that's that's a long haul, right? And we could do it. We've done it before. But it requires a lot more planning and ability than it looks like the people in charge now can even, they can't even contemplate it, much less do it. So it's very concerning to people. Um, and so if we're going to get around some of these changes in the power structure, like we say, the, the the catching up that the Chinese have done to our technology in many of these things, um, we're going to have to have much better leadership, and we don't have it. And we're not going to get it with these people. And because of that, uh, we're, we have to look very hard at making sure that Joe Biden or anybody like him does not get this presidency again. And... You know, there's a couple other things I may talk about in here on the, these five reasons, but I wanted to, to highlight it. If you get a chance, take a look at this uh, article. It's up on the web page. It's, uh, you know, five five myths about China. And uh, I think you'll find it very interesting, certainly thoughtful, if you disagree with some of it. Be back. <laughs> 